Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. Well, our con season is officially over, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, we don't go to... We went to one more than we normally do this year, so that's something. That's true. Though one year we did go to PAX Unplugged and Origins, so, you know. Oh, that's true. Okay, so we're tied with the most cons we've ever gone to in a year. Now, if we count Nerdapalooza as a con. That's true. I mean, it's a... Or and multiple BGM cons that we had. I know. I wonder if Kim would let us count Nerdapalooza as a BGM con, if we could just take it over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can just say that's what it is. She doesn't need to know. <laughs> yeah, she probably doesn't listen to our podcast. <laughs> that's true. We can just co-opt her thing and call it our thing. <laughs> yeah, so we have friends... One of our dear friends who puts together every year like a, a big gaming day and she calls it Nerdapalooza. Um, but I don't think she kn- she knows what we consider it a BGM con. <laughs> no, we haven't. Like, we never have before. I'm talking about the ones that we did at Joel's parents' house. Oh, yeah, and Joel's yeah. house and board game uh, mechanics rundown con, all that kind of thing. You that's know? true. That's true. And, and there has been long in the works uh, Cabrera mechanic con or something, I think. Yeah, we need to make that happen, but that's a that that's a farther distance and it gets a little more tricky. <laughs> that is a bit trickier. Um, but hey, if we have any East Coast listeners that, you know, are interested in us trying to put together a con maybe sometime next year, and by con I use the term loosely. Um like a, yeah, a meetup? A meetup? We, is that a better term? <laughs> we like to call everything cons because it's funny. Everything. Well, I mean is a I con. do. I don't know if you do. If if there are where two or more are gathered to game, there is a con. It, it's a con. That's true. <laughs> yep. That, that's how that's how I'm rolling it. Um, but seriously, if if um, anyone would like to do meetup, we're still trying to figure out how we can get to the Great White North there for like a Maple Leaf con. I don't know. Canada. Hey, hey, we like Canada, remember? And they do harvest in Canada. We got confirmation. We don't know that's yet true. what they harvest in the fields, but they do harvest. <laughs> I'm still going with donuts. They're harvesting donuts. <laughs> no. it. I thought it looked like a wheat field, but it was being, like, furrowed, furrowed after it had already been harvested, so I couldn't quite tell. I do have some some agrarian background. Not a lot. Whatever you. it is, it's getting sold to Tim Hortons. <laughs> That's probably true. Okay. Well, <laughs> and it will be paid for in Monopoly money. <laughs> that's true. And, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. To be fair, most of our jokes about Canada and toward Canada come from the TV show How I Met Your Mother. So if you're not familiar with it, you, you should check it out, because then you would know. Oh, yeah. I have no idea about Canada, other than they have health care. We don't. <laughs> they got money money during the pandemic that we didn't get. So, you know, I'm just jealous. It's just jealousy boiling over it, into right. jokes. And their prime minister wears interesting socks. Is he still the prime minister? Is Justin Trudeau still the prime minister? Isn't that terrible? I don't know. I should know it's more Canada. about that. Stop. We love you, Canadians. <laughs> we have some great listeners in Canada. And speaking of great listeners, we've got a couple shout outs today to great listeners. Uh, I mentioned previously, so if you missed that episode, that if you are a new member of The Riveted and you post, I will try to give you a shout out on... Um, the podcast. So uh, one of our newest members, are we allowed to say his name? Do we check with him? 
Uh, I didn't. We'll just, we'll just, we won't say his last name. You can just say his first name, not his last name. So, uh, one of our newest members, Jack, Jack J. <laughs> Banana pancakes. Um, thank you. <laughs> Way to spoil it. I mean, if anybody knows that reference. Exactly, exactly. See, deep cuts, deep cuts. Um, thank you for joining the Riveted. Uh, you mentioned that you're kind of behind on episodes, so you might not get to this for another couple weeks. Although, I love in um, a message to us, he said, I'm listening to your podcast constantly on the way back and forth to work. And I was like, wow. Now, maybe he has a five minute drive. I don't know um, what his commute's like, but thank you for listening to us. Thank you for posting the Riveted and getting involved. Um, and all the current members of the Riveted, like he posted, hey, and everyone was all on it. I noticed there's a ton of discussion this week. Um one of our, our dear friends, Fred, was posting about some games he had never played. Everyone's like, yeah, I want to play. Yeah, I'll play with you. All oh, those games are good. Like, just tons of interaction. It's a great place to be. We would love for you to join our Facebook group, Hashtag The Riveted, to get involved on that. If you're not a Facebook person, that's okay. Um, but it, you could join and just make like a, a dead account and just be in The Riveted because it's the only group you need on Facebook, really. Yeah. And speaking of someone in the Riveted, Scott, we've mentioned his name before, but I'll still keep his last name out. He posts all the time in the Riveted. If you've been in the Riveted at all, you know who Scott is. Um, He sent me a game, which I'm super grateful for. And the game is Helvetia, which is Rado's first ever run through. So now I get to play the game that made Rado a superstar. Thanks to Scott. So thanks, Scott. I can't wait to play it. Looks amazing. You rock. Do you think it was that game that... Made him get the followers? Probably not, because that video is pretty bad. <laughs> I, I, I just rewatched it, and it's like it's his first video, so the shaky cam is awful. Oh, but he loves the shaky it's a, cam. It's, yeah, he, now that he got rid of the shaky cam, I don't watch him as much. <laughs> um, I like the shaky. You cam. lose the authenticity somehow. You do, but the game looks cool, and I can't wait to play it. So Scott and Jack, you both are awesome. Keep it up. I know. I feel like we need like a special like term for like a. Like you get a sh- like to get a shout out as the board game mechanics, as a rivetinarian. What did we? What did you? S- <laughs> it was Jack that said it, rivetinarian or something. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like you get a wrench thrown at you. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you can dodge a wrench. You can dodge a ball. <laughs> like I don't know what we should call that, but that's awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know anything about this game that Scott sent us. I have been lacking in the game playing department just because I feel like my life is always a low boil of chaos and my brain can't handle as much as it used to. Uh, (laughs) So I'm definitely going to get on that. So you'll see later when we talk about games played that Katie has been slacking. But where I have not been slacking is in checking out my crowdfunding news. Um, I've got some interesting uh, choices for you today that I pulled off Kickstarter. The first one I picked mostly because of Jason's love for Jurassic Park. Uh, I do love Jurassic Park now, so much. This is so much. I know. And honestly, I do too. I watched the first one a lot. So funny thing is, before I'd ever seen the movie, I actually, my friends and I, when we were in elementary school, later elementary school was when this movie came out, I think, in my timeline. Um, we used to play it on the playground. We'd play Jurassic Park. Um, I would be Laura Dern's character 
and you know a couple of my friends like one of my friends is one of the kids and you know i forget <laughs> i can't remember who played um uh 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 no 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 nobody played that he was a bad guy we're all good guys oh Jeff Goldblum's character. A, I don't know who that was. Dr. Malcolm. <laughs> I don't know who played uh, Dr. Malcolm. Who played, um, uh, who was I going to say? Uh, Samuel Jackson. Nobody played Samuel Jackson. cigarette hanging out of their mouth? Nobody played Samuel Jackson. <laughs> Better hold on to your butts. No. Not at my Midwestern Ohio very small country town school. No. It was not. It was like the two kids uh, and the two adults... I, maybe my friend Jeremy was doctor. Played played Malcolm, because um, he was kind of in and out. So you know, he wasn't super involved, but he was just like a helper or something. <laughs> anyway, back to crowdfunding. Hello, I wandered off. Um, this game it is not a Jurassic Park IP, but oh my gosh, it totally is. It's called Clever Girl, and it is. Kind of a game that we would never play, really, or Jace would never play, because it's like um, a journaling game. It's like a one-player, and it could be a two-player game. So it's like this solo kind of journaling game. It's based on, like, the Wretched and Wretched Alone framework. Um, But you can either play the last human survivor at a failed dinosaur theme park, or you can play the leader of a raptor pack, who is consumed by revenge after dealing with these humans and they're out to kill the last human. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's awesome. It is. So like you like narrate kind of the days of like what of your story, like you're using playing cards. Um, there's also like a little, they don't call it Jenga, but there's like a little Jenga black tower that the prompts will ask you to pull out um, blocks from the tower, which is kind of adding to the suspense and seeing how things are going to go. Um, what's that? What's that RPG called that uses the tower? There's know. one where there's a table. It's a, like an RPG, like D and D or something, where you have to pull stuff out of the tower to kind of give you the storyline that's going on or something. I don't remember that at all. That's an actual existing thing. Okay, but- uh, someone who knows, tell us in the comments. I don't know, but this one is one of them. So you're trying to play as long as you can before catastrophe ends your story. Now, there's like a whole content warning on this thing. Like death, violence, loneliness, isolation, guilt, revenge, abuse. Like it is like it's designed to be like super strong emotions, but it definitely has this like Jurassic Park and like even and I don't know how they're not in trouble for this. The font of Clever Girl, there's like the like the outline of the like t-rex head um so you can go super basic with this do a pnp you play with a deck of cards you get a jenga tower they get a little a little game book um they someone's even put together a thematic playlist that you can play during your game it's tense. There's only one song. There are some. There are some John Williams songs on there. <laughs> One's from Raiders of the Lost Ark, though. There's some like Hans Zimmer, so it's like all oh, this like really classic thematic kind of stuff. Um, so you can play it where you you pick. Like I play the human or I play the raptor. Or so you can play solo, or you can play with somebody else, and it's competitive. So one person's a human, one person's the raptor, which I think would be really interesting. So it's like a little 28 page booklets. Um, you can get it digital too. 
you can also go super like if you get like the deluxe the special edition they call it you can get like these cute handmade like resin dice that have little like raptor paws on them and logos and um there's like these like teeth and bones to use as tokens um like it's super like super over the top but if you're like huh that just sounds interesting I might like to play Clever Girl by myself or with another person. There's five days left in that Kickstarter. And to get like a physical copy of the books, it's $20. Yeah, I mean, the story's sweet. And I'm a sucker for Jurassic Park. This might be enough to make me want to play this game. Probably not. But it would definitely uh, entice me. And the game that I was thinking of is called Dread. Okay. I have no idea what that is. I don't know. I just Googled it while you were oh, okay. uh, talking. Rambling. Um, yeah, I think this, it, it seems, it says it is inspired by the works of Michael Crichton and Steven Spielberg. So maybe because I gave them a tip of the hat. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. And you aren't, in my mind, you're not the typical solo gamer, but you would maybe do this. Like, I don't know. So if you like Jurassic Park, you're looking for different kind of solo games. You like dinosaurs. You were like me and you played Jurassic Park in the playground. Check out Clever Girl. Again, five days left, 20 bucks on that campaign. The next game is something that we have reviewed. There is a video for this out there. I think we've also talked about it in Games Played, so I'm sorry that I'm returning to it, but I always like to get Jason involved in um, my news section as much as possible. So I want to talk about Quests and Cannons, the Risen Islands. So this is, they've made it very family friendly. Because the artwork is super cute. Um, the people you play, the little animals you play are really cute. Um, but it's like you're sailing. Um, you can play one to six players. And it is a really pretty short game. So at its heart, it's a pick up and deliver game. Yep. Um, Do you want me to talk about it? Yeah. It's a pick up and deliver game. It's by Short Hop Games. Jason, talk about it. So it does play two to six. You can play all like free for all. You can play two on two. And I think you can play two V two V two. So three teams of two. We only played it at two players. So I, I don't know how any of those other ones work, but yeah, this is a pickup and deliver game where you are in control of this little creature trying to travel around the risen islands to pick up different types of goods and make it to different locations on these little quest cards that you have to either deliver those goods or just trade those goods for other goods so you can then deliver those goods. There's also going to be some other kinds of quest cards where maybe you have to sail across the Kraken um, spaces. You may have to fight another player because you, you can combat in a two-player game. It happened only because I think we I wanted to see how it worked and we made it happen. Um, so it doesn't happen as much in a two-player, but there's a little bit of combat but at its heart, it's a pick-up-and-deliver game. It's got a really amazing player board that tracks all your actions, how far you can move. Um, if you got defeated in trying to cross a crack in space, you get a bonus to your die roll to make it a little bit easier in the future. shows you how many spaces on your boat you can hold of cargo. Just really cool. I have no complaints about the player board. It is incredible. So if you like pick-up-and-deliver games and don't want to play a super like complex one and you want one that maybe you can play with your whole family or the kids... Questing Cannons would probably be that game. Yeah, when we played it, I didn't love it because I think I wanted it to be like a, a bigger thing. Um, but yes, I think we could play this even with our daughter, our youngest daughter who loves 
to play games with us. And I think she would like it, especially because the artwork is cool and the components are really neat on this game with the layered player boards and stuff. Like everything has its place. I like player boards like that where it says, okay, this, your ship goes here. Your cargo goes here. Here's your health. Here's your sail. Like I like when everything has a place, then everything looks uniform. I can track my stuff. And I really like that about this. The art and the components are really excellent in this game. Yep, I agree. And we even had a prototype. So it's going to look even better in the final version. Yeah. So that's Quests and Cannons, The Risen Islands. There are seven days left on that Kickstarter. And the basic pledge is $60. Now, whenever I say basic pledge, I realize this. I mean, the the lowest amount of money you can pay to get the game. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah. Just as an FYI. Yeah, because some people don't know the Kickstarter lingo, and yeah, we probably should explain that a little bit. I'm trying. See, I'm a teacher at heart. I'm trying to watch out for you people. They're like, what are you talking about? Or like our friend Justin, who's like, I don't really know anything about games, but I know I like them, (laughs) and I like to listen to you two banter. (laughs) That's true. He does play with us sometimes. Sometimes, but usually he's too busy talking. Yeah, that's true. He's, He's a chatty Kathy, that one. Uh, the last one I want to look at is also, at first glance, a game that we probably wouldn't pick out, at least Jason wouldn't, but there's something so cool about this game, and it's called Keep the Heroes Out. Um, this game is for one to four players. It's asymmetric cooperative dungeon defense game where you are the monsters and you're trying to protect your treasure from getting those dang stinky heroes coming to steal it. Um so there's like a modular board. So you kind of set up the way the dungeon looks like. Um, and there's like little special rules based on it. My favorite part is then you go and pick out from the available monster clan who you want to play as. And you get your asymmetric power. Um, and you get these little meeples that are the most freaking adorable things I've ever seen in my life. So there's like skeletons. But they're the cutest little skeletons ever. Oh, my gosh. And there's a little red dragon. He's so cute. These little imps that set booby traps. But it's okay because they're adorable. The ratkins, as a general rule, the cutest little mice. I love them so much. However, the best are the slimes. They look like little dumplings. (laughs) But they're so cute. They've got these big eyes and all. And you can also do lizard folk. And if you want to do the optional add-on, there is a little Cthulhu guy. And he's dreaming. He takes a little nap. It's so cute. He, When he's sleeping, he can't move. But then he can mind control other heroes and make them attack each other, which is excellent. That's the cutest thing. And so you can like do like a little deck building with your monster. Um, so it can move around and um, you can get rid of those pesky humans and, and defend your dungeon, really. So you kind of create this turn. You flip these cards. You see where heroes go. And then you get them. It, it looks really cool. Um, I think... To win, you have to go through the deck like twice and and keep the main treasure from being taken or something. Um, So in some ways, it's cooperative that because um, since it's like a tower defense, so you're like defending your main treasure. Do not seek the treasure. Um, So that's kind of cool. 
But you also, there are different levels. There's an easy, medium, hard, which is kind of nice. So you can decide, okay, how, if I'm just playing for the first time, maybe I want to take it easy. Or if you're playing with people that don't play a lot. But I love that idea of kind of, number one, being the baddies where you're saying, get these heroes out of here from taking my stuff. And also the shaped meeples, guys. The shaped meeples. The artwork on the cards also is a very cute. I love it. Um, but the meeples and the tokens. Ugh, it's so cute. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, Dungeon Crawl, Tower Defense, Asymmetric Player Powers, adorable tokens, check out Keep the Heroes Out. There's nine days left on the Kickstarter and the base pledge, which includes those adorable tokens. I'm almost positive. I'll double check. It's 50 bucks. So honestly, not not that bad. Isn't this game like 100,000% funded or something? It was insane it, when I looked at it before. Yeah, they only wanted $10,000 and they have 311000 uh, Okay, yeah, so like 300% funded. So <laughs> yeah, that's they weren't asking for a ton, but it it looks totes adorbs. Totes adorbs. Yeah, the, the, the little bits are cute. Like that little slime or whatever it is, is adorable. I know right it's super cute um and i like that you don't have to go deluxe edition to get them yeah that's nice yeah because the stuff um the ones ahead of it retailers pledge and group pledge so yeah 50 bucks gets you that stuff nice yeah right so that's what i have on kickstarter All right, so up next, we're going to talk about a few games that we did play, and all of these games are going to be games that were purchased at Origins, so that will tie into our feature when we get there, so just a little lead in there. Um, so the first game we played is a game we actually picked up from Arcane Wonders, and it is called Four Gardens. So if you don't know what this game is, you can go look at our YouTube channel because there is a video. This game is has this really cool pagoda in the middle has four different sections that's basically going to be like your resource collection tower. And what you're trying to do in this is you're trying to get different types of resources. There's stone, wood, plants, and water. And you're trying to use those resources to paint these different types of panoramas. Um, They're going to be five different colors or four different colors, and they range from two pieces, two cards needed, to five cards needed. But the cool thing about this game is each of the cards can be used in one of three different ways. You can put the card down face... Uh, face up in front of you as an active project that you're working on trying to paint you can use the card as the special ability that it has on the top right where it could give you a resource it could let you move the tower to collect resources either from the bottom to the top or the top to the bottom or you can use the card as a wheelbarrow to move resources from your little holding area your planning tile which is called really dumb name (laughs) down to your projects or from project to project it's a cart it's a cart okay i'm insisting yeah it should be like a wheelbarrow or something yeah i don't know but uh that's effectively it you're trying to get resources to put them onto your cards to flip over the cards to panorama side to try to score the most points because each time you paint a card or flip a picture that's completed you get to move your little cube up on this scoring track And every time you complete another picture in the panorama, you fire off all the cards in that panorama that you're working on. So you're going to score a pile of points. Um, It's a really easy game to teach. It's an easy game to play. And it looks really good on the table. And that pagoda thing, it's a gimmick. Not necessary. But you know how I feel about gimmicks. I love them. So what did you think about Four Gardens from your one play? Well, 
I I saw the box first, and everyone on here knows I'm a sucker for an Asian themed board game, especially a Japanese themed board game. So I was like, yes, 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 we need this. Um, I think there's so many cool things happening in this game. I love multi-use cards also, so that's really cool. Now, I don't think the Pagoda, Pagoda is unnecessary. I mean, yes, you could have rolled dice instead to decide what sources resources you get. But right. that really cool puzzle of, okay, what cards do I have that allow me to take resources from the Pagoda? And no matter how... Um, no matter what card you have about those resources, you have to change how the pagoda is set up. So you're like, oh, I like what's up there. I need to take resources. But you're like, oh, I have to turn the pagoda. And so when you turn it, and there's several different levels, four different levels. When you turn a level, it turns all levels above it. I had to clarify that for myself because apparently I can't read cards. Um, then you take resources from either the bottom level up or the top level down. And so as you're turning and you can turn either way, 90 degrees, it's like, ooh, what am I getting revealed? What do I want? And then not only that, that you're rotating it and saying, okay, I don't get what I actually see right now when I'm playing this card. I get what I, what I will get when I rotate. It's also, I am then only able to take the resources that I have room for in my wheelbarrow. So there's all this like interesting strategic planning. You can try to plan ahead on your turn, but other people are rotating the pagoda on their turns. Um, you're at the mercy of the car, the panorama cards that come out, trying to find the ones that you need to complete a full panorama. But you're then also deciding, well, which ones am I going to use? What's going to give me the resources I needed to complete the cards I'm working on? Um, that I really like that. The only thing I don't like, I honestly don't like the scoring track. <laughs> yeah, compared to all the other bits in the production, the scoring track's pretty chintzy. <laughs> I just, I actually don't like it in concept. I would rather for each panorama you get a certain amount of points and you move around on one scoring track. This has oh, like I four see. different elements that you score different amounts based on what element is present on the cards in the panorama you completed. Um, and then also like it only goes up to 10, well, not 10, but 10 points. So it kind of can become a little take that ish. Um, because once you get the farthest you can on a particular track, instead of taking your points, you're moving everybody else back on that track, which some people really like, cause it's like a tug of war, like, Oh, I got booted back. So on my turn, I'm gonna move up and then I'm going to move you back. Um, and so you're never really sure who's the farthest ahead because it's constantly changing. So some people would really like that. I don't because for some reason everyone wants to move me back. Um, now we looked in the rules because we were playing the rules wrong and everyone else moves back when you um, reach 10 and you get more points on, on a certain track. The other nasty bit is if you bump somebody off a track, they lose points and they can't ever get back on that track. And that's just mean. Yeah. Um, so I, we could house rule that, I suppose. Yeah. So actually that scoring bit is actually worse in two players. So I played this at four with you, Matt and Brandon, and I played it just with Brandon and it's basically whoever gets to the top first, the other person can never catch up on those scoring tracks. Because they're going to keep scoring points and keep bumping you back. So the more that you get, it doesn't matter because you're just going to waste time because they're going to keep bumping you back. So all you're really trying to do is 
not fall off the edge in a two-player game. And it's just, at least that's what, what I saw from the one play that I did it to. It seems like whoever gets to the top first is going to win the game just because the other player doesn't have a chance to get up there, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I would almost even like to take a, a different score scoring track and use it with this to where you just move up points yeah and uh, and you could always make it that once you hit 10 you just don't get any more points you could do that if you wanted to to make it nicer i suppose or if you get to if you're bumping somebody back on a track it can only be bumped back one space no matter how many points you score on that track right and that might be the and that might be the intention of the rule but that's not how it reads but in all other ways, like this is a really great game. Uh, that tension with do I, okay, do I want to paint this card? But do I actually need the resource gathering on this card? Or do I need to play a card in order to get my resources so I can clear out my wheelbarrow so I can get more resources that I need? Um, that tension is really great. It is fun to twist around the pagoda. Um, and the artwork on the cards is absolutely gorgeous so pretty um i love those panoramas and the box art as well so yeah i i really enjoyed this game yeah same i just think i'd rather play it three than two Mm. but yeah okay all right so the next game we played is actually an old ish game older than any of the other two or the the other two that we're talking about and it's called here kitty kitty and it's from fireside games i don't know when it came out it doesn't really matter but it's not new it didn't come out this year and effectively what you're doing in this game is you are trying to get cats, stray cats from your neighborhood into your house. So you want to be the best cat lady or whatever that you can be by bribing these cats, stealing cats from your neighbors, trying to just get different cats inside your house. You're trying to get different color cats. I think there's four colors. You're trying to get more cats of one color than everybody else just to score the most points. It's a silly game. It's kind of take that ish a little bit, but it's so short that it doesn't really matter because it's a quick game but it, it's fun you play some cards you do what the card says and you're and you can taking two different actions on your turn you may be moving a cat from the neighborhood into your front yard from your front yard to the porch and then ultimately from the porch down to your house because that's where it's going to score the most points it's silly i liked it it's not something i want to play all the time but i did have a good time playing it and again we played it at five players it doesn't really matter because the turns are really fast. So what'd you think about here, Kitty Kitty? Uh, um, it was okay. I think it has some really like funny, interesting cards to allow for good gameplay. I just think it needs to be executed better. Like maybe you play one card on your turn and then you move one cat. Like that's every turn or something. Um, to kind of make it work out better, to allow those cards to actually have the effect that you want them to. I don't know. It's okay. I don't love the artwork, but I do think some of the cards were really cool. Like what they did and the way they like pulled on theme and stuff. Like you foster kittens. So it's like the cats are in your house, but they're not because they could be adopted by somebody else. Yeah. They're else, not your cats. Right. If yeah. someone else gets the adoption card, like I think that's really cool. I had a card that was pet insurance. So it kept someone from stealing one of the cats that I had in my house. So I think that like some of the ideas of those actions are great. I I just would like to see them implemented in a different way. So it was okay. I would not seek this one out again. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it does that thing where sometimes you draw a card and it's an event Yeah, and then you got to play it immediately. That always gets clunky because inevitably it'll be two turns away. Someone's like, Oh, I drew a red card. 
So like we got to go back, right? Got to sort out the red card, do all that mess, and then like it changes what everybody else is going to do. It's just dumb. Like I don't like those. I I would rather it just be after every three turns flipping. There's an event deck, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Like I like that better than I draw a card. It's my responsibility to make sure that we do this card correctly. I don't know. It's not a big deal, but it's just a little annoying to me. Yeah, I agree. It was okay. All right. So the next game that we're going to talk about is actually a game we got for our youngest daughter. She's been getting into more games. She goes through these games, wants you to play like 400 times in a day with her. (laughs) Yes. So we're trying to keep new games into the rotation so we don't have to keep playing Go Go Eskimo a thousand times. (laughs) Hey, Go Go Eskimo is new, relatively. (laughs) Like there used to be other ones that I've played way more times. That's true. So the one of the games we picked up, we picked up two, but the one we're going to talk about and that that Katie actually played with us is called Detective Charlie. And this is basically, it's a, I don't want to say legacy. Well, kind of. It's a legacy style game, sort of, where you're trying to play through these six cases to try to figure out who the suspect is in each case. And the way that works is you have a, you open up a pack of cards. There's going to be eight suspects. Some of the suspects are going to have some additional evidence with them. You got a little die and you got a little clock that starts at midnight or noon or whatever. Those aren't suspects. The suspects are around the board. The people down are witnesses. Um, Witnesses, right. So suspects are face up around the police station and the witnesses are face down. And you're moving Detective Charlie around based on a die roll. She might move one, two, or maybe you don't move at all and it just, you waste time and advance time on the case. Or you could advance time one and move Detective Charlie wherever you want. Then when you go to that card, you're going to read the card and it's going to give you some kind of clue who the suspect isn't. So it might say, you know, this suspect is allergic to something, so it couldn't be this person or whatever. So then you're going to be narrowing down the suspects around the police station until you ultimately get down to one suspect. And then when you think you have it, there's a a culprit envelope that you can open. And if you match, you win. You get some points based on how long it took. And then it tells you a little story of why that person is the suspect and the culprit and all that thing. And it's not a hard game, but it definitely gives kids some some entry level into like the deduction aspect of stuff. So why can it not be this person? Why can it be this person? Which is kind of neat. And it's adorable to look at. So we played two cases. So what did you think of detective Charlie with our first two cases? Um, My favorite thing, first of all, about this is it is the cutest freaking art ever. Like, oh, they're my favorite right now is little Olivia Otter. She's this little otter who's the lifeguard. And I was going to be heartbroken if she was the suspect in one of our cases, if she oh, was the culprit. True. Yeah. Because they, they just all have these big eyes and these cute, oh my goodness. And then there's this little raccoon who's a firefighter. He was so cute. I think his name was Ricardo. Oh my gosh. Like, absolutely adorable. So th- I'll just get that right out of the way. Like, I just kept staring at all the cute little creatures. And I'm like, no one could be a suspect because they're too adorable. But the interesting... Well, it's not Well, it's not like bad cases. Right. It's not like they're killing anybody. It's like just silly things. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. It is definitely a kid's game. So, yes, none of them were like beating up old ladies or like going right. on a murder rampage yeah. in this cute little town. Um, they're like even... They- the very first case is about someone turning some sand pink. And then you find out that it was really um, a way of sending a communication um, to a secret admirer, which is the cutest thing ever. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) It's, it's adorable. The witnesses are cute. And I think it's 
for me, who loves deduction, absolutely. You know that. You all know that. Consulting Detective is my jam. Every game like that is my jam. I cut my teeth on Clue as a child, right? Um, This is a really great step in teaching deduction. If this game had been out when I first started you know, playing games with Jason, I would have been like, here, let me show you how to how to do deduction. Okay. Uh, That's true. <laughs> I, I'm bad. I'm bad at deduction. But it is really helpful to say, oh, you know, we know that this crime, I put that in air quotes, happened at night after 9pm. And so when some of when a witness tells us that, oh, I saw this person from 8 p.m. on. What does that mean? And so really helping, you know, our daughter, like, understand, like, how can we eliminate suspects based on what we know, what we see? Um, Some of the assumptions are a little much for me, a hardened kind of, like, fake detective. But I think it is a really great foray into that and helping her kind of think through some of those things, looking at clues like our second case, man, she cracked it totally. Um, And there's lots of different types of clues, even like information, some information that really isn't helpful, uh, which I like that almost red herring bit to it. Like it's fun and it's so fun to kind of help her work through it and and use the time mechanic um, to get points. Like, it's just so stinking cute. And it's a detective game. Like, this is so good. I would recommend this to everyone with kids that are really kind of at that age where they're starting to learn like critical thinking. Like, it really is critical thinking skills. Like, okay, if we know this about this person, um, does that mean that they didn't commit the crime? Like, I, I, that's just some really good if this, then this kind of thinking. And it's, gosh, the, the most adorable little characters ever. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I love it. I'm going to be sad when we're done with the cases because I think there's only six, right? Yeah, there's only six. Yeah, so you can play six games and then you could, I mean, after a couple of years, maybe you'll forget or, you know, whatever, but you could give it to somebody else and they could play. It's it's really good. So this and probably Outfoxed are the two best games that I've played for kids to show deduction. But I may like this one a little bit better just because it's cuter. It is. It's so cute. I love Detective Charlie. All right. So that is the segment of games that we played. So let's roll this right on in to what we thought about Origins this year. Since we picked up these games at Origins. <laughs> Um, we have been going to Origins, wait, did we look it up, like, six years, seven years now? Uh, the f- the last, the earliest badge that I saw was 2016, and we've kept them all. So it's either 2015 or 2016. One of those two is the first year. Okay. So six or seven years that we can think yeah. of. Yeah. Something like that. Um, And for us, it's really convenient since it's in Columbus, Ohio, which is less than an hour drive for us, Um, which has been a pretty big appeal. And another big appeal for us is the crowd size in general at Origins is smaller, um, just because Jason does not like lots of people. Yeah, let's just <laughs> say it. I'm the problem. I want to not have people around me. Yeah, so this is this is more my speed of a convention compared to what I'd heard, because this year Gen Con was different. What I'd heard between... Uh, previous years of Gen Con and even what was at PAX U that year we went it was still kind of busy so Origins is more my speed with the crowd and this year I think the crowd size was 
obvious, clearly even smaller. Um, there were times where, yeah, there was not even somebody passing me on the opposite side of the aisle. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was crazy. Uh, yeah, there was, well, and also this year there was a lot more room because there were less exhibitors. So there was a lot more room for people to just do free gaming, you know, like open gaming, at least more than I've ever seen in the past. I'd never been able to find those tables before. Right. So I think that might have helped with the crowd size because some people were just off playing games, which is fine. Yeah, which I, I also kind of like, to be fair. Like, I, there were less booths and exhibitors, absolutely. And there were several we noticed that weren't there that we normally look for and see. And even some of the ones that are usually there. Like, I love this little shop called Geeky Endeavors. And they aren't even board games. It's um, like nerdy jewelry and um, accessories and stuff. And I really love their booth and their booth was definitely half the size that it normally is. Um, So that stood out and that made more room in the hall. Um, So in some ways it was nice because you could stop and breathe and sit. And, you know, we had picked up several games. And so to be able to say, Oh yeah, there's some open tables over there. Let's go play what we have. Like, let's take a break for a little bit and sit and play. And the fact that we were able to do that, I think, was really nice. We, I don't want to say we generally travel in packs, but we have gotten several of our friends to come to Origins with us. And so now when we're there, there's, you know, a group of, what, eight of us regularly, eight to ten yeah. maybe, people like that. that we kind of meet up at various times, hang out, sit down, play games, sit down and um, eat with. Um, The fact that we could all kind of be accommodated there was nice. Um, However, because there were so few booths, I felt like we cleared the gaming hall, which we have this system. (laughs) I don't know if it's the right way to approach it, but we'll start at one, go down one aisle, and we will go up and down every single aisle once. And kind of put together a list of games that we saw that we're interested in that we want to consider maybe buying. We want to take a closer look at, and then we will complete the process again because sometimes we miss some and we want to check some other stuff out. It took us a much shorter time period to complete that activity yeah. this year. Yeah, normally at Origins the exhibit hall is like there's like A, B, C, and D. So hall A, B, C, and D. Normally. At Origins, the hall, like we'll say C, is the whole entire exhibit hall. So the whole hall is full of exhibitors, demos, and all that kind of thing. And then there might be in hall B, right next door, a few additional like overflow exhibitors that have bigger booths, sell bigger games, and that kind of thing. This year, um, one of the halls was only a quarter of the way full of exhibitors. So... Normally, you know, it would have been four times the size. This year, it was just dwindled down. And some of those exhibitors were video games this year. So there was a whole row yeah. of, video, of video games. So not only were there less board game exhibits, now you're bogging it down, in my opinion, because I don't play video games, with video game stuff that I don't want to look at. So that just saves me time not looking at that aisle. So right. it was kind of disappointing that... It was that small, and some of the publishers we didn't like there, but, I mean, it's a funky year, so who knows. Right. I think for me, that's kind of part of the takeaway, is that it wasn't bad. We still had a good time. Absolutely. Like, we found several games, as you heard us talk about, that we purchased that we really enjoy. And there's at least two others 
that because I haven't played yet, because I live in a constant state of low boiling chaos, that we will talk about, I'm hoping next week, um, that we're really good, that we're great buys, that because we were able to walk up, talk to the people, look at the game, get it explained to us. We're like, yeah, this is a good game. We want this. Um, I think that was cool. Like, I felt like we got a lot of attention and interaction time there. But if, and I mentioned this, I think in a post on the Riveted, or no, maybe completely different. Maybe at our friends over at the Board Game Rundown. If this isn't an outlier year and it becomes like this more often, and I think they did kind of a combo con and I can't remember what the name is of the... Like GDEX, like G-D-E-X or G-D-E-V, something like that is the other company. Yeah, so they kind of combined to do like a a combined con, which is fine um, for one year. I'm okay with that. And some people were really enjoying some of the video games. And also, the ones they brought, I thought, were done really well in that they sometimes simulated board games or they were very family friendly kind of games. Right. Um, games yeah. that I would even be interested in actually. Um, like the toaster that's fighting the other thing in the kitchen. That looked hilarious. <laughs> yes. I was a fighting toaster. <laughs> like I would play that game. Um, I just don't like to play game board video games in front of the people. For some reason, I think I'm just not as confident in my video game ability unless it's Donkey Kong. And then I'm the Donkey Kong queen and I will gladly play that in front of everyone to show how awesome I am. Um, but, I, and that was okay, I think, for this year. Because, yes, it is a different kind of year. And I'm glad that we had something as opposed to last year where we had nothing. Well, but but then, I, like, we were talking about this maybe at dinner last night. We've all, everybody was wearing masks. People have had the chance to be vaccinated. So, I don't understand the hesitancy of some of these companies not wanting to come to these cons. Like, I, I get it. It's, you know, shipping, probably logistics, all that kind of thing. I understand some of the reasons, but... To use COVID and the pandemic as the overlying reason, I don't know. It just seems like a cop-out excuse to me. I mean, I didn't. there was hand sanitizer everywhere. Everyone was wearing a mask. Like, I don't know. Most of the gamers are probably pro-vax, so they're probably vaccinated. I, I don't know. It just felt like if you're going to have a safe con, a board game con will be the way to go. Well, and I think because people weren't sure if it was going to be done safely. And I feel like... You know, I didn't see anyone here or at, at Origins that didn't wear a mask. I saw maybe three people at Gen Con that didn't. Um, so I think that that's a positive sign that people are willing to follow the rules, that people are willing to kind of be respectful of other people and keeping people safe and healthy. Um, so I hope that bodes well for next year. Um, I think a lot of people were just unsure. And I think for us, because we had COVID early on and we came out of it okay, there's a lot less fear. But I don't that, – that can't be the same for everyone. People don't uh, – that's not the same for everyone. And so I am trying to be more sympathetic about that because I think there are some people that truly are scared that haven't – that didn't get it and don't want to. And I understand that completely. It was terrible. And also there are people that have, you know, underlying health conditions and things that are going to, would make it much worse. And so I want to be respectful of them too. And so I, I, I totally get that. Um, and I think we are making good strides in keeping people safe in medical interventions. Um, in just knowledge about the virus itself 
so I, I, I feel I came away feeling really hopeful that next year was going to be a good year. Um, now I don't know what's going to happen with COVID. So I, I can't for certain say that, especially we had this resurgence of Delta variant and that kind of thing. Um, but it, it looks like to me, the board game community is really committed to doing what they can to keep everyone healthy and still yet allow us to gather. So uh, for me, that was a positive. Yeah. I, and I would say, even if we have to, if it kind of just keeps progressing, like it's been progressing, you know, kind of getting back to normal, kind of not. I would say after what people saw this year with people being, you know, following the mass rules, following all the guidelines, I don't understand why any publisher would be hesitant to come wear the mask, bring hand sanitizer to come to these conventions again. People wanted, people came to the conventions. They wanted the games. They want the new hotness. Consumerism will trump a lot of things. And <laughs> that's that's what cons are, is just a big time to sit back, spend your money on some stuff that you don't need, but you like. That kind of thing. And I, I don't know, I'm hopeful that next year we'll be kind of back to the normal of what these cons look like. As long as shipping can get sorted out and all that mess and that kind of stuff. Right. And so there is some there is some of that. But in regards to the pandemic and all that, I'm hoping that some of that will you know, ease up a little bit. And that's kind of the other thing we were, we were discussing this yesterday. I I think that attendance would have been higher if more publishers were still like, yes, we're going to release this new game here at Gen Con or at Origins. Because honestly, people's FOMO is cr- out of control crazy. It, a lot of times in the board game, like environment. Um, yep. For sure. And I think if they knew that they might miss out on a new game, um, they would have come. Yeah. And e- even with all that being said, I mean, I still had a good time at Origins because I got to snatch up the Belgian beers race <laughs> for $20 cheaper than Gen Con. Boom. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I think since this is the first year we, we did both the Gen Con and Origins, um, that also made things a little bit easier for us at Origins because we had already seen, demoed, looked at games at Gen Con, although there were a few publishers that didn't come to Origins, so um, we did we didn't see them again. Like Renegade is one that I noticed. Haba wasn't right. it either that I could see. Right. Um, but I did hear some people discussing prices, and having been at both relatively close, like what two weeks apart, maybe three weeks apart. Yeah, two weeks, two three weeks. Yeah. Um, that the prices were were a little bit cheaper at Origins. And I think normally, because we, we bought more than we normally do at Gen Con. Um, and so I was like, ah, we're not really going to buy anything at Origins. But we did because, like, prices were, were good, I thought. Yeah, for a con price, I mean, getting a game for 50 to 60 bucks at a con is a pretty good deal. And there were some, like, Four Gardens, I think we got for $40. That's a great con price. Like, <laughs> that's incredible. So, yeah, I, I'm i not complaining about the prices at all. I thought the prices were, like, good and solid. And that's coming from me, who doesn't <laughs> want to spend any money on board games. Right, exactly. Like, if, if, if Jason's okay with the prices, you know that's... And I honestly would have bought that Beers Race game at Gen Con, but $85 is just too much. So, Oof. to come down 20 bucks, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Which... That still was a lot for Jason, but yeah, yeah, I I waffled on it. I waffled, but ultimately, I want the FOMO. FOMO won out. <laughs> I definitely encouraged that. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's like a pretty reasonable price for a big beefy game that you've seen for like a lot more money. Yeah, yep. 
And I mean, for me, like I would, I would just buy everything and sort it out later. But I'm married to Jason, so <laughs> that doesn't always yeah. work out. We we don't do that. We don't do that. <laughs> we don't do that. I do yeah. that. Yeah, you do that. And one one more thought. I mean, I think honestly, we talked about this a little bit at dinner or something. I would have probably enjoyed. We would have probably enjoyed Origins a little bit more had we not gone to Gen Con two weeks prior. Yeah, where we'd already seen everything plus some. Um, right. Picked up some of the new hotness. So some of the new hotness that was at Origins is old hotness to us because we already bought it mm-hmm. and played it and all that. So yeah, that's partially that's not Origins' fault. I right. think it's just partially in the timing of when things had to happen due to everything's going down. But it was unfortunate because. I felt like, you know, I'd already been there, done that this year because I'd already seen all that stuff. So That's true. There's a few things, though, that I didn't really look too closely at, I think, at Gen Con that I was like, oh, I've got time now at Origins and space. So I felt like, yeah, I'm going to demo this or sit down at this. And I thought there was a decent amount of demos, um, despite even the, you know, the pandemic there were a lot of places where you could come up and play and sit down, which I thought was really great. And again, I think that's what Origins, in my opinion, is known for. If I want to get my hands on a game and try it out and play it first, Origins is the place I'm going to do that. Absolutely. And I think yeah. this year with the schedule fun, what it is, normally Origins is first and Gen Con is later. So you have that ability to play at Origins, stew over it, and then at Gen Con you can go buy it. And maybe it'll work out that way next year. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. All I do know is if Origins goes back to normal schedule in June, eight more months and we're at another con. Boom. Hey, that's true. I don't I mean, I don't know. I'm not I'm not in on the gamma talk, but who knows? I don't know. I, I'm assuming next year it'll be a little bit more normal. We'll see. I'm hoping. Like honestly, and I think that's really my takeaway is that I'm glad they did it and they did what they could. And it makes me then hopeful and and long for like a full return to cons next year. Um, So just keep hoping and praying that we kind of get this pandemic under control and handled and that we can go back to being that. Because we were even talking about our cons a thing of the past now. Um, And I think there are some things in coming through this kind of COVID environment that we've learned to live without, that we've learned to do virtually instead. And is that going to be the norm? Um, You know, I I honestly, I was telling Jason this yesterday at dinner. I was like, I I don't see that happening because I feel like cons are a staple of geek culture. Yeah, like Comic-Con and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I could be wrong. Absolutely. In this instance, I don't, um, I don't know. Geeks live for like their one time a year where they can go be geeky together. Yeah, together, and no one's going to judge them. I mean, I don't do that stuff, and I'm pretty judgy, and I don't even judge them. Well, not all of them. Some of them I do, <laughs> but not all of them. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the con will never fully go away, but they could shift in what they look like and how they function. I. I could see that happening. Yeah, I think one one shift a little bit at Origins was that you printed your badges yourself. That was amazing. And I think that that was really like nice and easy on registration to, you know, get your QR code and scan it and have it print out your badge. Like that's excellent. Yeah. Um, it saves so much time. It does. So However, then there's the idea of, oh, well, anyone could take the code and 
I'm not who I say I am, especially, you know, because I can get an educator's pass, which is a lot cheaper, or, you know, I get a press pass, um, which is free and anyone can use it. As long as you're not abusing the system, I don't see a problem. But I know there are people that do that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, every system has that problem, though. So even when we went to Origins or Gen Con and they printed out our badge, it could have been somebody else. No, but we showed our ID. Oh, that's true. We did show our ID. You're right. You're right. Now, for the, the days after that, sure. Yeah, that's true. Just getting the badge. But yeah, I could give my badge to Brandon if I wanted to and he could have gone. That's true. Right. Um, if people want to be dishonest, I guess they'll be dishonest. But that kind of ease, I thought, of of check-in administration was really nice. Um, I thought that was a good idea, kind of a good thing to come out of this. So maybe that'll be kind of something we'll see more in the future. I like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I hope I, I enjoy cons myself. And... I hope that's something that we can keep going, especially because, um, you know, we've had several friends who live farther away that we don't get to see and members of the Riveted even to be able to say, okay, because it's con season and I want to go to that, then we can meet up. And I, again, like that connecting, um, being nerds geeks whatever together i think is is really crucial and and that's something that's i think board games are good at bringing people together and so i hope that that's something we keep doing in the future yeah and like i said before eight months origins (laughs) all right we'll see if it happens (laughs) we'll see if it happens um so did any of you go to origins if you did let us know and we're sorry we missed you have you been to Origins? Have you been to Gen Con? What do you think about the future of conventions? Do you like them? Do you think they'll go away? Do you have some prophetic um, insight into next year? Let us know. Comment on our Facebook page, or better yet, join our Facebook group that I talked about at the top of the episode, hashtag the riveted, honestly. Super great people, super great conversations focused on board games. No political BS, um, no divisive talk unless we get into a fight over minis versus non, Cthulhu. Right, yeah, right. But it's all in good fun. (laughs) Right. Um, Very good natured people. We have not had to put the smack down on anyone in the group, though I will do it. And Jason is real tough on the internet. Real tough. Oh, there's no one tougher. (laughs) So we keep that group um, sticking to board games. And honestly, we haven't had to to do anything to make that happen. But um, just know that if you are interested in joining that group, it is a great safe space where we just talk about games and don't get bogged down in any kind of other nonsense. Um, And if you like that, nonsense then you can go to other groups and talk about it but not in hashtag derivated um so yeah join that group or um we love i love seeing pictures of games and things you're playing because i am a very visual person when it comes to board games so snap some things onto instagram or tweet i do not understand the twitters but jason tells me about them so if that's what you want to do he will tell me if you comment on there. You can also um, go to our YouTube page. I also don't check the comments on that because I I don't 
I don't, I can't see that. I don't know. Again, I'm not tech savvy. I'm an elder millennial. It's terrible. Um, but Jason tells me when people comment on our videos, um, we have tons of videos out there. Jason's so good at doing the reviews. We're also working on maybe getting together a little playlist of, um, Halloween themed games for this month of October, which I love, love, love. And I'm going to try to get myself in some of those videos as well. Um, there's some unboxings and things, just lots of different stuff out there. The new games that we've got at Origins and Gen Con, we're putting out videos for those as well. And uh, review games are coming in all the time. So we are trying to keep up with that because we think you guys ought to know. And that's what we're here for. Yep. And as always, check out our friends over at the Board Game Rundown. Yes, we are friends, even though we mess with each other. Absolutely. Um, yeah, they have a, a cool channel. They do topics, interviews, bunch of reviews, unboxings of games that you're probably never going to see on our channel. So right. if you're interested in Onk and the new Descent, I'm not going to be covering those. So you go over to their channel, check those out, and they'll give you the, well, I don't want to be punny, but they'll give you the rundown on these games. And you can see if you like them. And they're cool guys. And Help them get to 600 follows. That's what we're trying to do. 600 for them. Ooh. Okay. That's interesting. I don't know what their follows are. I don't know. I don't pay attention. <laughs> but they do. Like, they'll be talking about the games they've played. I'm like, why did they play those games? I would never play those games. Which I think is what's great about different content creators is that there are enough games out there that we can all cover them and we have different views. And that way, if you like the kind of games we like, great. If you don't, like, we'll still mention them some, but they're going to cover them, unbox them, review them, um, and, and vice versa. We do some things that they don't either. So check those guys out. Some of them are all right. Um, everybody but Dan is cool. So go for it. That's true. I wasn't going to call out Dan today, but. That's my job. I will absolutely yeah, call out true. Dan. That's true. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I think we've covered everything. I thought this would be a short episode, but it kind of ran on, which, you know, I guess is typical for me. <laughs> Pretty okay. Pretty okay. It's pretty okay. That's what we're about here, folks. We're going to set the bar low. That's what you should expect. I feel like we need to have a disclaimer. Know that this content I mean, is pretty okay. If you're expecting a lot, check out somebody else's podcast. <laughs> if they've ever watched our content, they're going to know the disclaimer by heart by now. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> All right. Well, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. <laughs>